0: as Stephen comes to bring the word today, we just pray that uh, his words will be your words and that you'll give us ears to listen and hearts to understand. In Jesus' name, amen. After the the now the flood was on the earth forty days. The water increased and lifted up the ark,
1: and it rose high above the earth. The waters prevailed
0: and The heart moved about on the surface of the wilderness. The waters prevailed exceedingly on the earth. The high hills under the hot heaven waters prevailed fifteen cubic tons on the mountains were covered. All fresh diet, from the earth, birds and cattle and beasts, every living thing, from the earth, every man, all in nostrils breath all that was uh, on dry land died. So it destroyed all the living things which are on the face of the earth. but man and things and the birds of the air, they were destroyed from the earth. Noah and those who are with it in the ark remained alive. And the waters prevailed on the earth 158. Is this one paper? Yeah, no. It's not working. <clears> throat> <We're> throat> throat> Use that Put it on this one then. Instead of right. messing around the other square So, Noah's Ark. Next slide, please. That Plus a bit like something. Sorry. <laughs> right. Now. Way. Hey. Interesting. You can check that one down with handy thing. So, I just want to tell you a, a very brief story, going back almost
1: to last week when I was talking about forensic uh, evidence and, um, and, and a murder. I'm um, going really to touch this very, very briefly, but it, it, you'll see my point as I move on. There was a case at a farmhouse, and um, when the police arrived, a whole family um, were, were, were dead. And the first um, thoughts, uh, and this is um, an idea that was in the investigator's mind, for quite some time, and it actually coloured the way they looked at the scene. And they thought that what had happened is that she'd shot the family and then she committed suicide. And that's blink of them. And so it took quite a lot of um, persuasion from other detectives and a lot of work before they actually started to realise this wasn't the case. Um, and in the end, they did have a successful conclusion. They arrested uh, a man for the, for the murders, and he's still in prison to this day. Now, what changed their mind was the fact that it was a rifle that was used, um, and it was a big rifle. Um, and there was no way that this woman who was shot in the head could have actually committed suicide herself. So the point I was trying to make with the Noah's Ark, and it was an exaggeration, of course, with a little ark full of animals, and elephants, and world knows what else. If ever you talk to people about Noah's Ark, and you talk to people about the flood, in general, people go, you know, how are you gonna get all those animals into, into a boat? You know it can't happen there's millions of animals in the world and it would never have happened and also it would not have been seaworthy and if you've got all this water that's covering the earth the chances are it would have turned over or sunk etc etc so people are starting out with this preconceived notion uh, exactly as the detectives did and i think what we have to do and as again i said last week i don't want to tell you what to think what i'm hoping to do is to show you how to think evidentially how to look at something in a different manner and if we start with a preconceived idea of how it all works, then quite often uh, we get it terribly wrong. The other two things, of course, are possible and probable were the two points that I made. So some things are possible. So like, like this um, sort of mass murder. It was possible that it was a suicide and she had done it, so to speak, but it wasn't probable when you actually looked at the evidence. And so with Noah's Ark, again, we need to look really at the evidence from an unbiased point of view, I would say. So let's look at the arc, let's let's think about that. The arc um, according to scripture was 300 cubits by 50 cubits high and 30 cubits wide. Now a cubit is not an exact length of measurement. It's not like an inch or a centimeter or a foot. You know, a foot is always foot and an inch is always an inch, but a cubit was measured from the elbow <laughs> to the tip of the longest finger. And Jane kindly um, measured my uh, Elbow to finger yesterday, and it was 18 and a half inches. So a cubic was always between 18 inches and about 20 and a half inches. And that was a measurement that was used for many, many years. So I'm actually going to use a cubic of say 20 inches. So if you look at 20 inches, you look at the biblical proportions of the arc of 300 by 50 by 30, you're actually talking about 1.5 million cubic feet of space. Now that's about a third the size of the Titanic, and it's about the equivalent of 250 box cards. So if people put the boxcard up for me, and you'll be able to see that's on stage. <laughs> Think it. It's a British rail, we're getting there, there we are. <laughs> so that's a boxcard, so 250 of those, and if you have 250 box cards. You can fit approximately between 20,000 and 40,000 animals the size of a sheep in there. So people have worked out how many animals, and we're talking here about kinds, and what people get confused with is kinds and types. So if you look at dogs, you wouldn't have to have if they were such dogs in those days, um, a Pekingese plus a Cock Spaniel plus a German Shepherd and all the others, because they are um, types. What you would have is a kind. And foxes and wolves and dogs all descend from a common ancestor. So that cuts down immensely. So the experts have worked out that in those days, and including animals that are now um, no longer with us, um, you probably have something like um, uh, 1.5 million kinds. Um, and if we look at the uh, scripture that says that the animals went in two by two, uh, they were all animals. And then the clean animals went in in their sevens and the some people said that why did they go in their sevens and what, why did they go in their twos well if you think when the flood was over and the, the uh, ark landed on dry ground Noah sacrificed to god so if it had just been two by two i think he would have made extinct every animal in the world so we wouldn't have any now so this was the point of actually taking them in the sevens. so if you multiply the twos and the sevens you gonna end up with about, and this again is an overestimation, which I would rather do than underestimate, you'd have about 7,000 animals in the ark. So it's more and more making this ark more and more problem. It's not like the cartoon illustration with huge elephants and, and sort of, you over know, the side. And also there's no suggestion that all of these animals were fully grown. Uh, if you look at a huge elephant and you look at a baby elephant, there's a vast difference in size. So many of these animals, I would presume, and this isn't scriptural, but these are my thoughts, don't need to be fully grown adults. You take into account also hibernation. I'm sure that some of those would have slept through the whole voyage. Uh, if you've ever been on a cruise, perhaps you've done that as well. So it's a sort of common thing to do uh, on, on a boat. So the more and more we look at it, the more we can see. Now, would it have been stable? Would it have been seaworthy? Now there's a chapter He's a North Korean, a Dr. Hong, and he was heading up this um, research center. It's a world renowned research center in North Korea, and it looks at the stability of boats. Um, So if you've seen some of these Cunard liners and if you've been on them, huge, great big things, you can't just build it and stick it in the water. You actually have to have it tested to make sure that it can um, encounter storms. It's going to be stable. It's also going to be comfortable um, and if we happen to have, say, some big storm at sea, then it's going to be able to cope. So this Dr. Hong, he actually compared the measurements of the Ark with 12 other ships. And he found absolutely no significant dis- difference between the performance of the modern ships and the performance of uh, a boat such as the Ark. The difference, of course, is you wouldn't be sitting on the deck and you wouldn't be steering and heading off to different kinds. It was designed just to protect the people that were on board. Dr Hong is not Christian, he's not a creationist, he believes that all life came from the sea. So he had nothing to gain by actually confirming in no uncertain terms, the actual veracity of the Ark. And the fact that that actually would have been um, constructed solidly. And the other thing he worked out is that the Ark would have been able to withstand Um, a tidal wave of up to 30 meters, which is quite a big wave. So the more we look at it, we move away from our overcrowded ark with all the animals and the elephants living outside to an ark that was constructed by Noah on the say-so of God. And to my mind, that sounds a perfectly feasible uh, way to do it. And interestingly, uh, up until fairly recently, the proportions of the ark were the exact measurements that were used in many cargo ships um, and still are,
0: in fact, today. So, why was it that people ignored what Noah was
1: saying? I guess that uh, if we started building an ark here in the Civil War, and building this huge boat, bearing in mind that uh, when Noah his boat was in the desert, it ever rained, it was 70 miles from the nearest ocean. Well, just to put this in context, if you know Brighton Sea, that's 30 miles away. And if you head up Norfolk, the nearest bit of coast that's around about 70 miles, it's a bit more, he's probably lower stock. So if we started building here, (coughs) excuse me, people will think that we were crackers. So she's trying to imagine this man who God has said, build this arc. Now, this wasn't a five-minute job. the biblical estimates are it probably took him about 80 years to build this boat. He invested his whole life into building an ark in a desert 70 miles from the sea. Who would do that? People would be coming along, they'd be laughing and jeering and watching the boat go up. And of course, if you're talking 80 years, it would have been the older generation that would have died off, that come from town to see what was going on, and the younger, and they would have told stories, come on, look at this guy and this
0: boat that he's building, it's getting bigger and bigger. I've got a sneaky suspicion that there were some people who actually believe what Noah was
1: saying, but like many people today, I think they were thinking, we like our lifestyle. We like the drinking, getting drunk and the fornication and all the stuff that's going on. We don't need to stop out. When it starts raining, we'll know and we'll head for the ark and we'll get on board and we'll all be safe. We'll all be pushed in. Unfortunately, as scripture says, the ark became the, the, the flood became suddenly. The, the, the waters flooded up and the waters came flooding down and it rained and it rained and they had no chance to get on board. They were outside. No and his family were inside. Scripture says that God shut them in. That's an interesting statement. I think that God actually shut them in, Noah and his family. And I don't know about you, but I would like my family to be safe as well. I'd like to get my family into the ark. And I guess all of us would like to do that. And that's what Noah did, because Noah listened to what God was saying. When I think of God shutting Noah in, Thinking of doors and gates, can't but help think of Jesus, who said, "I am the door for the sheep." Uh, in Revelation, uh, Revelation three seven, I think it says, um, when Jesus says, "When I close a door, no one can open it." And can you imagine this ark and the floods that were starting to come in? It must have been an absolutely horrendous sight. And the slide that people put up earlier of, of, of the storm, we had the picture of the ark. I mean. That must have been horrific. Scripture sanitizes things in many, many ways. Um, There are some wars and things in the Old Testament, perhaps aren't quite so sanitized, but in general they do. But if you imagine um, a tsunami with the waves, I I mean, that that must have been an absolutely terrifying sight. And the door was shut. And I don't think that Noah could have opened that door, even if he wanted to. Going into Revelation, where it says, When I shut the door, no one can open it. And so there is Noah and his family safe in the ark, and the people are outside. And I wonder very much today what people think. Not so much about Noah and the ark, but when we actually talk to them about what we believe in and talk to them about Christ. Because as Christians, Christ is the only way. In Noah's day, when Noah was saying that the ark is the only way to salvation, there's one law written and you'll be saved, and no one wanted to because they laughed at it you say today that Christ is the only way that is a most unpopular statement to make. and if you start telling people that Christ is the only way you are going to be in big trouble with certain elements of society and I did I, I touched on it again um, last week when I said I used to preach uh, many years ago and say there will come a day when you'll be persecuted uh, as a Christian but now there is a day where you are being persecuted as a Christian and I do think that um, You know, if you start to speak openly and honestly about what you believe, it's not just a question of people going, oh, okay, as they did at one time, they just weren't interested. People are very, very aggressive in their attack and people, well, where I work in the police, if you start to speak about Christ, you really are um, treading in dangerous territory. So things have now started to change, I think, already, and I think we've got to be more and more aware um, of, of, of where we stand. And I've got Pete coming up here, so something's obviously happening. Uh, oh. oh, well, you, you'll have to synchronise, and I can do it all again. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not like I might it. I'm going to disturb you, sorry. Well, <laughs> okay, fine. You, well, yes, that would have been helpful, Pete. Don't mind. Anyway. So it's, it's going to be like the, um, the silent movie. So what I'm going to do is get Jenny to play the piano later, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> we will put the subtitles up. <laughs> So, people don't want to hear about righteousness, people don't want to hear uh, about sin, because you start to talk about that and you're a fanatic, um, what people want really in general is quite like, perhaps come to church on Sunday, sing a few songs, you know, hear a sermon or something, and that's it, there is nothing more, Noah devoted all of his life to serving God, to actually following
0: what God had called him to, and I don't believe that we should be doing any less. So my question really is, are we in the boat, or are we outside the boat? And metaphorically speaking, of course, in that time, grace was through the ark, but
1: in our time, grace is through the cross. We're either in Christ, or we're not. Same as with the ark, you were either in the ark or you're outside, you can't have a foot boat and the foot outside in the storm and there's very many people who are not committed they're not in christ they're partly
0: there but they haven't gone all the way the job of a preacher i guess is to tell people how to enter
1: into safety noah was a preacher of righteousness he was trying to encourage people to move into the ark Today it's to encourage people to accept Christ and salvation through Christ as unpopular um, as that may be, because no one can make you enter. No one could make anyone enter the ark. No one can make the people accept Christ as saviour. That's my challenge for all of us. Where are we? In the boat or out of the boat? If you're not quite in the boat, get in before the floods come, because I believe that the floods are coming. If you look at what's happening in society now, things are getting worse and worse. And I believe this is just the tip. Things are going to get a whole lot worse as we move on.
0: Look at some of the churches now. This counts for little. Old Testament. Let's go through the Old Testament as to where it finishes. Past Proverbs, Mosiah, and and Jeremiah, and Daniel. And here we are. Right in mouth right. So that part is the old testament.
1: We don't like that bit, so we'll ignore that. So we won't preach on that we don't teach them that because that was the old covenant. We're now in the new covenant, so let's forget the old testament. Plus, there's lots of wars and killing and stuff
0: that we don't like. So we're we'll going to ignore that. Have a quick look at Revelations, which is just up to there. There's Revelation. And we don't like that bit either, because that's
1: too almost. You know, it talks about things we don't understand in end times. We don't talk about end times because all the fanatics say the world's coming into an end, it's not going to happen.
0: So we ignore that bit. <laughs> so the Bible we're left with, my friends, is that. And that is the state of the church today. And I must admit, I am absolutely distraught
1: at the respect that people give God's word today. This is a window through which we see Christ, through which we see God and His plan. The least we can do is actually read it and respect it. And I'm not saying we worship it scripture, we worship the God of the scripture. But it's been ignored in churches and it's been gradually pared down and down and down until we don't know where we stand. And you hear
0: people speaking who should be actually speaking up for God's word. And I don't believe that that
1: can stand for long. I do believe there are churches in the future that will start to close, there are denominations that will start to disappear. There's a church up the road to St. Towards Castle that flourished for many years. Look at it now. Weeds growing in the car park, all closed up, all the people that there that you know did go, died and moved away. And it's happening time and time again. When I lived in Graves, there was a church there. It was a huge Baptist church, big church. It's a car park. And as we actually change and this we think and as we just start to look outside, not pull up the drawbridge like they did in the ark, we actually look outside at the people out there. We're going to shrivel and we're going to die. And we have no purpose. What's our purpose in civil engineering to make it more pers- personal? We need to look. What is our purpose? Think what our purpose is, and then do it and not just, and I'm not accusing anyone of doing this, not just be inside and just look at ourselves and have a good time, we need to start to reach out, we've got got the mind um, uh, done, and that's great, and there's other issues, other people are coming in, that's all good, but there must be a way of actually telling people when they come to these meetings. What Christ is about, let's show them what we believe. Let's actually at least invite them through the door into the ark, whether they choose to do that, that is their business. I do believe that we actually have that responsibility.
0: I'm going to finish it there. I just want to indulge me. Um, when I was thinking about the things that were going wrong in the world and the way, um,
1: you know, you see that the sin is flourishing. I probably see it more than my job than,
0: than most people. I, I guess most people do see it uh, to some extent. I wrote this poem. And it says, as all creation
1: travails and groans in pain, hearts are yearning for our broken world to be restored again, waiting and longing for the trumpet all to sound and for Jesus' holy feet once more to tread upon this ground. Weary souls are crying, How long, Lord, will it be? Until the scourge of evil is swallowed up in your victory. How long, how long, how long will this present darkness thrive? When all that's good withers on the vine, but evil deeds survive. When all that's pure and holy lies trampled by the feet, under the footfall of humanity, for whom truth has fallen in the street. Such eat the bread of wickedness and steal our children's innocence. And the world looks on in silence, stupefied. By the wine and violence. Where is your God in parrogance the sincere stoppers cry? In them no fear of judgment when they die. As in the days of Noah things stay the same, they say, Lord, when will your truth and justice reign? How long, O Lord, how long? Until the lightning writes the name of Christ across the sky, until the redeemed of Jesus to the blessed Savior fly, when all the nations of the earth make war, rage, and foam. When comes the tribulation and God calls his children When the God of revelation descends in glory from the skies, with hair that's white as snow and with fiery blazing eyes, when on that day he comes to reign, and every eye shall see, and all mankind will weep and mourn and fall on bended knee
0: before the mighty God and King who judged the world of sin, and all will know the answer. That's what. Excellent.